It really is fascinating when you watch <clears throat> two people engage in a conversation. It's really, really fascinating when you kind of have that fly-in-the-wall advantage that you get to listen and they don't know you're listening. And you can watch the dialogue between two people and the expressions on their faces and the way that they react to each other's statements or phrases or conversation. And the way that the presumptions are made based on position, attire, body language, word choice, all of those kinds of things come together. And, and sometimes you find that your presuppositions about the person you're in a conversation with are... Uh, well, they're completely wrong. Everything you thought you knew about them was wrong. And you've made some assumptions based on stereotypes to replace a genuine dialogue. You haven't bothered to listen and ask questions to learn about them. You just assumed based on blah, 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 blah. That's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith family, and freedom. Every leader, every teacher, every banker, every farmer, every mother, every father, every politician has this one thing in common. They use this one thing. Every one of them do. All of them do. There's nobody who influences other people who don't use these. What are they? That's what we're going to talk about today on Leading Leaders. <laughs> so what is it that all of these people have in common? Bankers and teachers and leaders and politicians, parents and mothers and daughters and fathers and sons and absolute strangers. What do they have in common? Besides popping their collar. What do they have in common? What tool do they use every single day? Every day. And what tool is it that can both be the most dangerous and the most helpful at the same time. What if I told you that that tool is the same? Everybody uses it probably every day to some degree. And it can be the most dangerous tool in a relationship, the most dangerous tool for your career, the most dangerous tool on social media or traditional media, or it can be the most powerful thing in the world. It's all the same tool. Just one tool. Does all of that. It can wreck a relationship or save one. It could cause someone to be like that close to taking their own life, or it could draw them back from the edge. You figured it out yet? You know what the tool is? Hmm. Guess what? I'm going to tell you. It's a story. Yep, the tool is a story. And well-told stories are stories that are well-selected and well-crafted. And they're told for a reason. See, the story that's well-selected and well-crafted doesn't have to deal with live interruptions. It's a recounting of what actually happened. When it's best told, it's based on truth. Fabricated stories have a problem. Fabricated stories have the problem that they're not anchored in truth. And part of the challenge that we have in today's world especially is that we have some really good storytellers. Now, I remember when I was growing up, I used to get a spanking for telling stories. But really, telling stories was just a, a euphemism for lying. Just to use a euphemism for lying. So if you lied, you were telling a story. And that usually led to a whooping. 
We don't do any of those kind of things anymore, right? We don't have that kind of discipline. We don't have that kind of uh, euphemism for telling a story. But we do have people who've made phenomenal political careers out of telling stories that don't have any relationship to facts. Telling stories that are manipulative and they cause you to emotionally go down a path, but they don't have any relationship to truth. They never actually happened. The characters, the players, the incident, not real. But the story causes you to believe or leads you down a path to make a certain decision to behave in a certain way. Now, I can tell you across the board, just about every who's, everyone who's ever used a story at some point has embellished a little bit or fabricated some or added some on just to make the story a little more fascinating. Probably just about everyone who's ever told a story. Whether they're three years old explaining how the makeup got dumped all over the bathroom or the red lipstick ended up in the white carpet, they're probably telling a story of some sort. They're making something up. They're adding a little, fabricating a little, telling what what seems like it might get them out of trouble. Maybe you've seen... Maybe you've seen the little video on Facebook of the little kid standing there. Dad's holding the package of donuts and the donuts are destroyed. Some are crushed, some are half eaten. All of them are missing their icing. But the box is closed. And so dad says to his toddler son, any idea what happened to the donuts? And the little boy says, no. And then the camera turns to the little boy who has icing from one ear to the other, from the bottom of his chin to the top of his head. And it's obvious he's been eating the donuts from the middle, just facing the box. And dad says again, are you sure? You don't know what happened to the donuts? Nope. Did you eat any of the donuts? Nope. Did you touch the donuts? Nope. That might be telling a story, fabricating, lying, making something up, embellishing just a little bit. But again, leaders, politicians, parents, children, everybody does it. Here's something you need to know, though. The process, the methodology that I keep, teach that I call story power is about being able to go back into that place in your life where a lesson was learned and say, what was the story around that lesson? Why did that event mean so much to me? And then, what is it about that event that's transferable? What lesson is a teachable lesson that millions of other people would benefit from knowing? If they could just learn that lesson, it would save them a whole lot of time. You know, I used the illustration with a coaching client yesterday. The job of the mentor is to say, I've been there before. I'm, I'm trying to save you some trouble. You don't have to make the same mistakes I made to learn what I learned. A smart man learns from his own mistakes. A wise one from everybody else's mistakes. You don't have to walk across the minefield and get your legs blown off like my best friend did. After I drug his body out of there, I realized... That's probably not a place we want to go. I'm not standing here telling you don't go in the minefield so that it limits the freedom of your life. I'm standing here telling you don't go in the minefield because I've seen firsthand the devastation that comes from going in the minefield. I'm not trying to limit your freedom. I'm trying to save your life. And that is a different story. But see, when, when you tell the story that I was in the minefield, I just drug my buddy out of there with no legs left, when you tell that story, others might say, oh, well, you're just talking about yourself. No, I'm talking about an experience that I'm an expert in because I've been there. I've lived through it. It's my story. I'm the expert on my story. Now, I'm also going to be honest with you and tell you one of the challenges that I have is that even working with my clients, sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, 
They tell a story that they recall from a very particular point of view because history has a way of kind of filtering, like rose-colored glasses, what actually happened. And almost always, because we're human, that filter makes us look good and others maybe not so much. Even the hero of our story sometimes won't look as grandiose as they were in the moment that they were the hero and we were the person being saved. Sometimes we have to be cautious about embellishing the story in such a way that we come out not the victim who got saved, but the hero who saved the whole day. We've got to be cautious about that. We've got to be honest about that. And there's a couple of reasons that we do. Number one, it speaks to integrity. When you tell a story that others would tell in a completely different way and go, well, yeah, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure it happened like that. I mean, that's a fascinating story. It, it, it's really well told, et cetera, et cetera. But I was there. That's not the way I remember it. If that's the case, then it calls into question our integrity. People begin to think, well, they're not just a storyteller. They're a liar. They're, a, they're living in manufactured reality. Not just virtual reality, they're just making stuff up. That's a university. Make stuff up university, MSU. You don't want to be the person that's just making stuff up. Great that you're entertaining. That's, that's awesome. But if your only teaching points come from fabricated truth or from making up lies, well, people are going to question your integrity and now they're going to question your results and now they're going to question the solutions that you offer and even the problems that you pose. Is it a straw dog? Is it a paper tiger? Have you have you come up with a problem that's not really a problem? It's a problem that nobody really has and then offered a solution for a problem nobody really has just so you can sell your solution? Anybody know maybe anything like that that's happened, say, in the last, I don't know, decade or five years or two years or here to have. Yeah, there's a whole lot of it. It's a, it's a known marketing scheme. It's also a known political scheme. Create a problem that you have the only solution for. And sometimes they start with the solution first. And then they fabricate a problem that's not really a problem. But now that they have a solution to sell, they're going to make sure you know about the problem. And so they fabricate a story around a problem that never really existed so they can sell you the solution that they've created that nobody else needed. Steve Jobs said uh, nobody wanted an iPhone when we first made one. Actually, he said nobody wanted an iPod when we first made one. But now they have phones and everything else. If there wasn't a solution, would there have been a problem? See, the challenge with fabricating stories, making up stories, telling stories that others can't resonate with or others could question and say, I was there on the day in question. That's not how it happened. Uh, this person didn't actually go through the same thing that we went through. They, they didn't actually learn the lessons that we learned. The solution they're offering you is bogus because the problem they're identifying isn't really a problem. See, that's a challenge with stories. But parents do it. How many times as a, as a teenager do you remember saying, your parents saying, well, if Johnny and all his friends decided to go stand on the cliff and jump, or stand on the bridge and jump. Would you follow them off the bridge? Would you follow them off the cliff? Well, if all of my friends decided to buy Nike tennis shoes, which one is the problem? The bridge or the Nike tennis shoes? I'm not following your story, Mom. See, moms and dads have, for decades, for generations, said, well, you can't just do what everybody's doing. That's not a good idea. Well, if the only solution is to do what everybody's doing, then you're right. That's not a good idea. 
because there's got to be a real problem and a real solution. And following the crowd is not always a good solution. But if mom's using a story about everybody jumping off a bridge and all I want is a pair of tennis shoes, I'm not sure her story about jumping off a bridge is relevant to me because I didn't ask if I could go jump off a bridge. I asked if I could have tennis shoes. You follow me? You see what I'm talking about, the relevance? And then, of course, I have to wonder, did my mom ever get invited by a bunch of her friends to go jump off a bridge? And did they do it? And are they all okay? Because maybe that is a fun idea. I just hadn't thought of it. I just wanted tennis shoes. See, another challenge with storytelling is not just that they're made up or factual or not factual, but sometimes they're just irrelevant. They have no relationship whatsoever to reality. They don't mean anything to me because it's a story you live through. I, I remember a guy who spoke in front of a group that I was a part of. And before he started his speech, he said, I'm just going to tell you this little story. He told the story and when he was done, there was no clap, there was no applause, there was no laugh. We weren't even sure he was done with the story. It was that boring. But when he finished, he said, well, apparently nobody thinks that story is as funny as I thought it was. But it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to talk about today anyway. And I thought, okay, horrible use of a story, but also, can I have those nine minutes back? Because that was nine minutes of my life that you wasted and I'll never get them back again. That's not a good use of story. A good use of story is that story that creates the common ground between us. The one that you might look at and go, okay, well, you're from a different part of the world, a different different time era than I am. You, you don't have the same common problems that I have. You don't understand me. You don't know me. The story bridges that gap. The story looks for the place to say, here are the things that we have in common. Sure, we have a lot of things in our lives that are not in common. There's a whole lot of differences between you and me. But the places where we do have common ground, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. The places where we've experienced similar emotions, that's what I want to talk about. Everybody uses stories. Bankers use stories to get loans or to keep investors or to keep the board happy. Politicians use loans, use stories. To, yeah, they, sometimes they loan their stories. Politicians use stories to get elected, to stay in office, to gain power, to gain more power. Parents use stories to get their children to comply, to follow along with the, the process, or to learn so that you don't have to repeat the same mistakes. Teachers use stories to get across the point that they want, to demonstrate the learning lesson. Everybody uses stories. But you really should look for those stories which are true and factual. Look for those stories where other people who are eyewitnesses can say, yep, I was there. That's exactly how it happened. And look for those stories that have a teachable moment embedded in them so that when you tell the story, someone enjoys the story but gets the lesson at the same time. Not one that's so convolutedly connected together that you're like, here's my story and over there is my call to action. Over there is the lesson that I learned. They don't really have anything to do with each other, but I, I was told that I have to tell a story, so I'm going to be entertaining, and then I'm going to teach the lesson. If they're that far away from each other, you got the wrong story. Everybody uses stories. Not everybody knows how to use them right. Not everybody knows how to select them, or how to craft them, or how to tell them. That's what story power is for. If that's something you're interested in, being a better storyteller, not just being able to make up a story and fabricate a lie and be entertaining and telling it, but to be able to extract good, useful, powerful teaching moments from your life that are stories that could change or save or transform the lives of others, 
Well, then I'd love to help you with that because that's what I do. It's called Story Power. You can find it on storypowermasterclass.com where you can uh, keep watching this video and you'll actually see a QR code pop up and you can take a little quiz and ask, are you, are you ready? Is your story ready to transform other people's lives? The QR code will be up on the screen in just a minute. You can scan right away. Take that free test. Everybody uses stories. Not everybody uses them well. Not everybody uses them authentically. Not everybody uses them accountably or righteously. But everybody uses stories. How do you use stories? Love to leave a little comment down there. Tell me how you use stories. And if you think you don't use stories, leave that as a comment too. That'd be interesting to know. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, or Tell Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.